0: It's an honour to give the palm d'Or to Four Months, Three Weeks, Two Days. From Four Months, Three Weeks and Two Days screened at the 2007 Cannes Film Festival, the jury were watching it alongside some truly great films. Julian Schnabel's The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, The Coen Brothers' No Country for Old Men, David Fincher's Zodiac and Marijan's Satrapy's Persepolis. But much to the surprise and delight of the film's writer and director Christian Mungio, the jury's president, Stephen Frears, announced he had won the Pam d'Or. Thus, Mongio became the first Romanian director to be so honored. Um,
1: it, it looks a little bit to me like in a fairy tale, to be honest. Uh, some one year ago, we didn't have any idea about this project. And some six months ago, we didn't have any money to make it. And finally, we were uh, just hoping that we were going to be in Cannes, in any kind of competition, any, anywhere, you know. So I just want to thank very much the jury for this. Thank you.
0: Mongio begins his film with a caption telling us that we are in Romania 1987. But rather than explaining that this means that what is about to happen will occur against the backdrop of the terrible Ceausescu era, the first image Mongio shows us is two goldfish in a bowl one a fantail, the other a comet, drifting innocently back and forth. A seemingly innocuous enough start, but it does blithely serve as an indicator of what is to come. In the meantime, Mongio has placed nearby on the table a quietly but urgently ticking alarm clock. Coming so soon after the title, that sound suggests that time is of the essence. Yet paradoxically, Mungio is in no hurry to reveal to us what the urgency might be. Instead, cinematographer Oleg Mutu holds on the table. Shot handheld and with a widescreen aspect ratio, the camera doesn't pan. Instead, it just sits and waits, leaving us to do the looking. On the table, we see sheets of foolscap covered in handwritten notes. To the left, wads of cash. And to the left of that... An unattended cigarette curls smoke into the air. The shot continues to hold. Beyond the table in the background, we see underwear drying out on the radiator, and on the windowsill above, jars, bottles, cups, and containers. Everything suggesting such banal domesticity, we might think we have seen all we need to see in the shot. But by daring to hold on that image, Mongio is doing something else. To begin, he is letting us know that this is the pace at which the story will unfold. Whatever is going to happen, is going to happen slowly. Perhaps even in real time. Quite appropriate, because again, the film's title has time written all over it. Here is Mongiot in 2017 at the Tromsø International Film Festival, relating to Martha Otta, how he reacted to how his film was received in Cannes 10 years earlier.
1: That was only my second film? And the film was promoted to the competition in the last second. But um, there was something that that worked with the film. It was the right energy and was very, very bold. What was really very nice, it was that people were talking about the film on the street. And people never expected a lot of decisions that we made into that film.
0: Running just shy of 110 minutes, four months, three weeks and two days, takes place over the course of 18 hours as two young college students, Otilia and Gabita, go about their day. Brilliantly played by Anna Maria Marinka and Laura Vassilio, this will be no ordinary day. An indicator of that is that as they prepare to leave the room, Otilia has to quickly tend to a nosebleed. So, while the rest of their campus busily prepares for exams, Otilia and Gabita head out across the city, in search of a hotel where Gabita will have an abortion. But why in a hotel, and not in a clinic? because in 1966, mere months after Nicola Ceausescu was elected General Secretary of the Romanian Communist Party, a law was passed banning abortion. Under the rancidly inefficient regime, poverty riddled the country, and yet amid the cues for jobs that were scarce and food that was even more so, the party summoned women to have more children. Medals and honours were festooned upon married mothers of large families. But without a proper and protective healthcare system, The dangers Romanian women faced were such, it is estimated that in the following 30 years, up to a half a million women died due to illegal abortions being carried out in dangerous circumstances. Three years earlier, in 2004, Mike Lee approached the same subject from a different angle, placing his low-key but masterful drama Vera Drake in 1950s Britain when abortion was also outlawed. Lee's film won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival and stars Imelda Staunton as Vera who provides, as she says, help for women who find themselves in trouble. And while Lee's film focuses mainly on the working-class experience, he astutely draws a comparison to the privilege afforded to affluent women who could avail of private clinics that dealt with their crisis by inventing, legally binding reasons why a termination could be facilitated. Meanwhile, other less fortunate women were left with little recourse other than to seek illegal abortions.
1: Don't seem fair. Look at my mum. Six of us in two rooms. It's all right if you're rich. But if you can't feed them, you can't love them, can
0: you? Ottilia and Gabita's harrowing 18 hours ends in the hotel, with the two of them vowing never to speak of what happened. Meanwhile, in the vacant distance, a wedding party copes with the aftermath of violence. But really, the film doesn't chart 18 hours in their young lives it charts four months, three weeks and two days, because that is when their ordeal began. However, as traumatic and fearful their ordeals may have been, they may not yet be over. In the moments before the abortion took place, both young women were coerced into having sex with the man conducting the procedure. And because Ottilia was having her period, she is terrified that in four months, three weeks and two days, she herself may have to live through the very same horror. And that is what Mongio's film is, a horror, only not in the Hollywood genre sense. Here is Mungio once again, this time at the 2017 Locarno Film Festival, talking about his preference to stay away from genre and instead take inspiration from the world around him.
1: What I'm always trying to do is to try to find a story that will talk for my audience about their own life. I hope that at the end, even if I get inspiration from the things which are close to me, I manage to have them general enough in the film and universal enough so that they will speak also about their own life and experience.
0: While it might be tempting to say that Mungio cinema continues the tradition of Italian neorealism, it would be more accurate to categorise the style as naturalism. Mungio understands that if you make a film specific enough to a particular time and place, the layers of authenticity, however foreign to the viewer, accumulate to the point that they are hypnotic. So we see the cluttered rooms of the dormitories, the communal showers, the poorly lit corridors and hallways in college, and out on the desolate streets. The bus tickets pass from one passenger to the next to fool the inspector that everyone has paid the fare. We learn about the government-issued identity cards that can curry all manner of favour, no matter what the situation. We learn which is the most valued brand of cigarettes for bartering. We learn the exchange of Western films and TV shows bootlegged illegally onto VHS cassettes. The film stands as a veritable museum, and so we keep watching and listening with increasing fascination because we know that what we are seeing is loaded with integrity. There is no questioning its inherent truth. That is naturalism. So, on Mungio does share with Roberto Rossellini, Vittorio De Sica and Lucchino Visconti a commitment to events rooted in real life, where he diverges most obviously, is on the soundtrack. Each of the Italians used music for melodramatic effect. Alessandro Cicconini regularly composing the scores for De Sica. For a while, Rossellini trusting only the talents of his brother Renzo while Visconti constantly switched to whomever he felt was most able, using Giuseppe Rosati in his very first film, (laughs) Ossessione. Mungio prefers not to use extra diegesis, limiting himself to the sounds natural to the scene. However, that does not restrict him from turning the natural sounds into an expressive force. Take for instance the extended and increasingly distressing sequence where Otilia and Gabita are in the hotel room trying to negotiate the abortion fee with Mr. Bebe, played with mercenary indifference by Vlad Ivanov. Feeling that he is not receiving enough money, he insists they have sex with him. The young women are under enormous pressure, with Gabita clearly terrified of having to go through with the pregnancy, while Otilia clearly not wanting to abandon her friend, agrees to Mr. Bebby's demands. She goes first, so the pregnant Gabita steps out into the hallway to smoke a cigarette. After a moment, she goes back inside, retreating to the bathroom, where she turns on the tap, and lets it run to expressively drown out the sounds of torment coming from the next room. After a few moments, Ottilia enters half naked, and as Gabita quickly leaves the bedroom, Ottilia steps into the bath to wash herself. Such is her humiliation, Mongio keeps the camera behind her, or rather Ottilia keeps her back to the camera, as if she cannot bear for anyone to see her. And then, ever so subtly on the soundtrack, we hear the air conditioner, which seems to echo the ticking clock. Mungiu then cuts to a wide angle as Ottilia washes her face in the basin. She rises and, aghast, catches her face in the mirror. Gabita enters and tearfully steps into the bath. Ottilia looks at her a moment and then leaves. Mungiu and cinematographer Mutu keep the camera looking at the empty mirror. This quiet, slow observation, where the shot lingers on an empty frame, is redolent not just of the Italian neorealists, but also the transcendental style established by Carl Dreyer, Yasujirō Ozu and Robert Bresson. Here is Paul Schrader, whose 1972 graduating thesis from UCLA focused on the transcendental style in cinema.
1: In conventional films, dramatic scenes are edited to enhance empathy. In contrast, uh, transcendental style has longer takes and fewer cuts. Transcendental style offers delayed action, Sometimes in action. There are lengthy tableaus where nothing seems to happen. In the films of spiritual style, there is often no musical underscoring, only sound effects. You are not being told how to
0: feel at this moment. So, while Ottilia is washing her face, Gabita enters the bathroom. Ottilia then leaves. No words are exchanged only the briefest of glances, and for me, that brings us back to the opening image. Here are two young women, as hapless and as silent as the two goldfish, trapped together in the same waters, helpless to get out. Here is actress Anna-Maria Marinka relating her approach in portraying Otilia.
1: Because it's such a, such a painful story, I ask myself, what if I was in this, in this situation? As an actor, I think you always have to find answers in yourself. Um, the director can give you, you know, some some clues about the character and you but you need to find your own answers, otherwise you 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 can't be true. You know, you can't find the emotion, as you said, inside of you to to perform the the situation itself.
0: Before, during and long after that terrible ordeal, Mongio stages the events almost exclusively in extended takes to most people, the extended take automatically creates expectations of a highly choreographed action sequence. Think of John Woo's Hard Boiled, Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days, or Joe Wright's Atonement. But again, Mon Dieu's métier is naturalism. He is not so much concerned with choreography as he is with emotional measurement. The camera will simply record the events as they unfold, and the real event is the emotional revelation. And that takes place at whatever pace the actors reach for and find the emotional truth. while Mangio is far from the first director to use the slow technique. Earlier proponents that spring to mind would include Andrei Tarkovsky, Theo Angelopoulos, Chantal Ackermann, Abbas Kiristami and Bella Tarr, Mongeo is also a great exponent of it. Here he is once more at the Tromsø International Film Festival in 2017.
1: It's not just the content, because, you know, films about this were made before, but I think it's primarily something about the style, the language, the directness, the honesty of the approach about the actors, about the moment, about a lot of things.
0: But Munger's approach stretches back much further than slow cinema and neorealism. You can go all the way back to ancient Greece and Aristotle's poetics. In his slim volume, the great philosopher theorised that good drama consisted of three unities. Action, place and time. One action unfolding in one place over the course of one day. But, what with its flexible grammar and dynamic vocabulary, cinema all but demands a more expansive arena. And extended time frame. Look no further than any of Marvel's superhero franchises. And that means that the films that do confine themselves to the three unities are, in fact, experimental. Not just Robert Wise's The Setup, Fred Cinnamon's High Noon, or Agnes Varda's Cleo from 5 to 7, but also, unexpectedly, George Lucas's American Graffiti, Ridley Scott's Alien, John McTernan's Die Hard. Tom Twiker's Run, Lola, Run, and another Romanian film, Christy Puiu's The Death of Mr. Lazarescu. And while John Hughes and Spike Lee did it twice with, respectively, The Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Do the Right Thing and The 25th Hour, however, Sidney Lumet did it three times with Twelve Angry Men, Failsafe and Dog Day Afternoon. And Richard Linklater has done it at least five times, Slacker, Days and Confused and The Before Trilogy. However, and again, with cinema's flexible grammar and dynamic vocabulary, it is not just Aristotle's Unities that makes the films experimental. It is through the form of the long take that the content is really cemented. So you have Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, Alexander Sukharov's Russian arc, which, although filmed in one spectacular 96-minute take, actually spans a couple of centuries, as well as Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity, and Sebastian Shipper's Victoria. But, while each of those films have unquestionable merit, Mungio's film stands in a category, and therefore an integrity, all of its own.